Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to a special episode of The Nero Show featuring Patrick Bro, the Lantern Rouge himself. This is a super fun chat where we chat about Patrick's own vlogs and his fitness journey. We have some fun at some cycling brand's expense. But we're going to start with a chat about what cycling broadcasting looks like in 2024 and how legal and sometimes illegal YouTube channels might fill the void. All right, let's get into it. So one way or another, Ella, I think 2024 is going to be a big change in the way we all consume cycling or maybe it won't be a big change. I think that's, that's maybe what we want to have a bit of a chat about, but you put a tweet up during the week around how people are watching, watching racing in 2024. Maybe we can have a little bit of chat about where this, where this is headed. Selfishly, of course, when GCN plus shut down, I thought, Ooh, how's this going to affect? Will people, will less people listen to the podcast or watch my highlight videos if less people have access to the race? And also, you know, I, I definitely think, They've been a big part of what I've seen in a boost in cycling interest in the last since the pandemic when it got launched. And I was thinking, because I'm here in Australia at the moment, and I'm pretty sure Australia is the worst territory. Um, what is going to replace GCN Plus? Because, yeah, a lot of people in Europe see my tweet. They're like, what's the problem? We just go back to, um, we just go back to Eurosport player or Discovery player or or a sports or whatever, but the reality is in Canada, the US and Australia, the coverage is, is bad. I, I guess I really think there's a, there has to be, I've got, I'm actually writing a paper on this. I got to get it finished before I come back to Europe in a week and a half. Every other sport of a comparable size has a backup streaming platform mm. owned by the major stakeholders. So, because no one wants to buy... Channel 7 do not want to buy the ATP 500 events. They want to buy the Australian Open. Someone wants to buy Wimbledon, i.e. the Tour de France, i.e. the domestic race. That is exactly the same in cycling. They got no interest in showing ATP 500, you know, showing a, an event in Toulouse. So the ATP has their own streaming platform that hardcore fans go and buy a subscription for. And... If they can make that work technologically, financially, how come the race race organizers, Giro de Lapanino, GP Marseillaise in nine days, how is there not a platform, and I guess it'd be the UCI that would need to to do it, an equivalent platform? The tweet that you put up had that illegal, I'm guessing it's illegal, uh, stream on YouTube of each of the stages. 
and you and they had the views there. Let me bring it up because even just looking at the views that that's getting fresh channel. Literally, he started from zero like a week ago, and he's actually well, he's he or she has dele- actually deleted the private prior streams because I'm only seeing stage six on yeah, the channel. Yeah, that's the so live like they, views. So that one from today is on twelve thousand views, and that's delayed. That's delayed. It's more than that. So even that would be um, should be monetizable. Yeah. I mean, the Ironman um, triathlon do it when they have that. When Kona's on, they have their 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 race is on YouTube, and they it's I'm guessing it's paid for by sponsors because there's sponsors popping up. The sponsors in the banners down in the lower third and up the side. So that's um that's making money for the sponsors. It's not just making money through subscriptions uh, for the end user, but for the for the people that are sponsoring your event. It's also exactly. eats itself that way, and it's not just that. It's it's if you don't make, go to the effort to make sure the race is viewable in as many territories as possible, I, I think that's like a breach of the whole. Goes into the actual economics of cycling. The covenant is the teams get no revenue share, but they're going to pay rider salary and come send a team to your race to get exposure. And you're going to have the good riders at the race so you can sell that to your sponsor's race organizer. And if you don't make sure that that race is viewable in as many territories as possible, then, okay, yeah, it's, you know, it's fuck all Australians watching, you know, whatever X race, Tour de Hungary, let's say. But, but Jayco might be, Jayco are doing that. Uh, and they're sending a team there. They've actually sent a good team there in previous years. And those 10,000 Australians or however many would watch, that's actually a lot of people w- watching. So I think it goes into like, and that's why I actually sometimes commend the tour because they, I think they sell those rights cheap because they sell it to free-to-air broadcasters almost everywhere. But that's the deal. Is that Imagine if the tour was all paywalled. The teams yeah. would be screwed. Hmm. So you, when, the reason that's not happening, you say it's part, partly because of the USR, is it the individual organizers? Because I know a lot of the races in Asia are put up on YouTube. I watch most of the Asia tour when they're on on all kinds of either yeah. Facebook, YouTube, most of the time. So they seem to do it. But is the the races that aren't doing it, is that yeah UCI or is it the, on, on the organizers to do that? Uh, it's on the organizers. Yeah, it's on the organizers. Uh, now, there is an expectation in the UCI rules that a world tour level race has some sort of adequate coverage that's not really defined like Tour de Pologne is a world tour race and basically had very limited coverage outside of Poland because I think there was a dispute between the organizer and Eurosport two years ago didn't change anything all the teams still have to go still have to send a team so it's on the organizers uh they have like a a body a group just like there's a riders union there's a Teams Union, AIGCP, and there's also a, a race organizers union. They're one option, but I don't, I'm not sure how much they really do. Uh, I think basically GCN Plus shut down and they didn't really understand what that meant uh, for, for their race rights in a few countries. Do you think, like, okay, it's all good and well for us. Sit, sitting here and getting on our YouTube high horses and saying, just slap it onto YouTube and we'll all be happy and the will kumbaya because everyone can see can see racing. But like this is cycling we're talking about. Okay, maybe maybe this is me being cynical, but th- there's a 
pretty obvious, clear lack of direction to to want to get involved with with anything on YouTube from the sort of organizing stakeholders involved for years now. And so for us to kind of sit sit here and say, look, there's an audience for this to happen. Um, you know, it'd be good. It's good for the, it's good for cycling, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I just think of those, those boys in Switzerland and I just can't see them ever getting around to this because it's, it's so like, even, even you're watching the coverage now, it's just so TV. Do you know, I know that, yeah. does that make sense? <laughs> like it's, yeah, yeah, it's just, it could be 1984 <laughs> watching some of this telecast and I'm not having to go at the commentators again, like whatever. We have the technology in place now already in the tour, but it should be in other races where you should automatically be able to see in the back end if a rider's crashed. So in the tour, they have the dimension data supplied speed trackers. If you're looking at a group one and then all of a sudden 10 riders speed goes to zero and stays at zero, you can just read off that list of 10 riders. X, Y, Z, they all crashed immediately. Yeah. The technology exists in the tour already. And that's people still trying to peer through, <laughs> you know, shots. So that stuff is like, that's already there. But to your point, I've kind of, it's sad and like, I shouldn't be this way, but I've kind of given up a little bit. Like I've tried the last couple of years to go to minor race. I'm not talking the Tour de France. I'm talking minor race organizers uh, where they don't have, uh, don't have agreements in certain territories. I'm like, listen, I, I'm asking to, I'll pay for it as well. Um, I was like, let me stream the race. I know it'll get good views. I can send you all the, all the analytics. Uh, I've even, I'm still yet to have a race organizer. Let me upload a full file of a historical race paid for. All right. <laughs> and so that, by the way, I know I'm whinging, but, and, They'll have, they'll have basically a bad agreement with their reseller of their rights. And then they'll be like, not possible. And then I'll just type in YouTube, Tour of Flanders 2021. <laughs> and there's a three-hour <laughs> file uploaded. And, and I'm like, well. And so I'm just like, oh, you're, we're not talking the same language here. Um, you just can do what you want to do. That illegal stream that I tweeted about, you can kill that immediately mm. by just in the right territories uploading your own stream. Um not in all territory, just for the ones where people can't have access to the footage. Uh, so a lot of people were in Latin America, I think, watching that uh, stream. And I'm not sure they had good options or in certain countries to watch. So that was what I was saying is you're never going to, like, it's been proven. The internet's been around for a long time. You cannot defeat piracy by doing whack-a-mole, trying to, trying to content claim. The only way is to provide an access, even paid, to the people that want to watch. I just want to ask you off the back of that, Patrick, about this Valtteri Bottas thing, and also I heard you guys the talking about this. yeah the not just him, but also the the promotion of the gravel race that was on at the same time as the Tour Down Under in the commentary of the actual Tour Down Under. I didn't. There wasn't a single day I watched the stage where Valtteri Bottas and that rattle gravel event wasn't mentioned. And also, at the only other time I saw the Tour Down Under being talked about outside of the race stream was on the project, which is in Australia. It's a, a kind of a news uh, one-hour show 
current affairs kind of thing, and it was mentioned on there. Valtteri Bottas was on there with Tiffany Cromwell speaking about it, speaking about the event. So the only time really that I saw the Tour Down Under get mentioned was in relation to Valtteri Bottas being there. And just in terms of like the streams and the things like that, is it, it, how big is cycling? Because the when the Tour de France is on, there's all these articles that come out, and I saw people tweeting back in July that, oh, it's the biggest sporting event in the world, or it's the top five sporting events in the world. Now, they didn't actually outline how they calculated that. Was it viewers? Was it money? Et cetera, et cetera. But it, it was articles sort of putting it out there as the biggest sporting event. And I'm just watching this um, race play out in this sport, and I'm going, we are got to be much smaller than we think we are based on what I'm seeing here. Yeah, there's the the Nielsen ratings or the actual ratings are usually much lower than like sometimes you see ridiculous figures uh, like touted. I think with the Bottas thing in Australia, the reality is that he is way bigger in Australia than any cyclist um, in terms of p- people knowing an F1 driver versus a Jonas Vingegaard or Tadej Pogacar. Maybe that's wrong, but I think. Uh, whereas in Western Europe, I don't know. I don't know if he's much bigger than it probably is. Yeah, bigger. Yeah, he is. Like his Instagram, he is bigger than what any cyclist, right? So, mm. um, and so I guess your to your point, why are they speaking about Bottas all the time? It's like, well, because he can get on the project and at least talk about an event adjacent to the TDU, whereas uh, Simon Yates is not getting on the project. So that's, I guess, why. The race organizer knows it's a it's a it plays, um, but yeah, I guess it's good. Um, I guess it is good for the race that he's there overall. Like maybe it's it could be a bit nauseating if you just want to watch the race, but I think it is good for the race overall. But is your your is your point, Jesse, more that like here is here's a he's an F one driver, uh, whatever he's into cycling, all good, but that's the only way you can cut through in the media. Because our sport is so small that we need someone from 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 outside to who's not even actually sort of doing the sport as such or the race as such to to promote it to a level to to get it onto commercial TV. Is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, sort of along the lines of that. Or maybe I'm not I'm not necessarily pointing fingers at anyone. I just find it internally quite sad that. The most exciting thing seemingly happening around the Tour Down Under is someone from another sports here. It's like, oh, I just I oh, find Taylor it really Swift sad. In NFL, you anti Swift footage in the NFL games, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Bottas is not uh, Taylor Swift. Um, that I just uh, yeah. thought we're a sport that has the Tour de France, and we're all wetting ourselves over Formula One driver. It, yeah. it, it to me, it's just. It's maybe my point is more that it is just a bit of a sad reality check as opposed to me getting anger or anything. I mean, the promotion of that rattle gravel event at a road event that actually bugs me because there is other road based events okay. that were on for the tour down under that didn't get a mention, like the crits that I think it's Norwood Cycling Club are running them, aren't they, Chris? Yeah. Or pretty much the entire tour down under, which is if you can't get entry to the tour down under, you're a national level rider, domestic rider, you go and you, you enter the Norwood crits. And it's really high-level fields. It sells out. And it didn't get a mention once. And yet, the commentators are banging on about this rattle gravel 
every time I turned the stream on and it just stu- it bugged me because they should be internally promoting the other road events, not a gravel event. Yeah, but that, they probably don't own them. Yeah. But uh, do they own... I don't think they own Rattle Gravel either. I mean, maybe... Yeah, we'll see next year. I'm guessing based I'm on how much sure. they're promoting it, it'll... um. It'll be part of the Tour Down Under. Uh, I'm guessing they're going to be absorbed and it'll all become one part I get, of the I guess your point as well, Jesse, was that like if cycling is so big when they, you know, 10 billion people watch the Tour de France, then um, <laughs> it should be it should be bigger, right? Like the, and I guess, I, yeah, those numbers are, um, you got to look at like the correct, correct numbers from like sports pro media uh are generally good but the numbers are solid like they are solid but they're solid in france belgium spain mm-hmm. denmark netherlands uh are getting better in the in america and the uk well i went last year to tdu in person i got sick over christmas so i, did, I couldn't make it this year and i got to go back to europe early but you well, you went chris and was that with a brand self-funded, like what was your motivation for for going? Good question, Patrick. Uh, so yeah, self-funded, um, self-funded under with the with the idea of okay, this is the the only world tour race in Australia, an opportunity to to go and capture content of some description, and we we chatted about it before I went on went down there even on the show like what what am i what should i be doing down there what what ultimately is is a value i kind of said this to you a little bit but i felt a lot like a fish out of water or a little bit of an outsider in that whole thing because you know for example you okay i got my media pass great whatever what did that allow me to do well it put me it was allowed me to go to the media center great so i can sit down and type on my laptop so then what's the next thing I can do? Well, I can go to the I can go to the, the race starts and the race finishes and sort of mingle around the riders in the sort of roped off area where the where the gear is. And I and I did that. And you know, got to sniff around the bikes, which was which was pretty useful. But once you'd sort of done that for a day and I'd looked at all the bikes and chatted to the odd mechanic. Then the kind of ball's back in your court to, to move around or if you wanted to try and do an interview, the, the ball is very much in your own court to do it. What I'm there to do or, or what what the, the, our audience want us to do is to, to sit down and talk about what we've seen and to do that, the logistics of that in a remote circumstance like that is very, very difficult. So, uh, again, Wi-Fi not great. It seems like it's still very much set up for a – a journalist who is writing or producing content for a set media thing where they send that that content to a central location and it goes out via whatever medium that might be. So it was a bit of a challenge. I mean, did did you have a similar situation with it, with it last time or, or how did you kind of find the experience? I just don't know what to do when I go to a race and it's not, it's not unique to the TDU, but yeah, as you say, you get your media pass, you're like, great, I got it. But... I just, when I see the riders in the in the vans or wherever on the team bus before before a race, I maybe I'm introverted. Maybe it's because I I'm not like a classically trained journalist. I'm like I, I shouldn't bother them. I should leave them alone. You know they got a sports event in 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 half an hour. I should really let them just prepare. I shouldn't harass them. 
And and what you should do as a professional is you uh, contact all the press officers, you tell them who you want, you tell them what days you'd want them, you organize all of that to get your sound bites. Uh, and I think how, you know, and often traditional journalism is one way and that's not how I work or you work. So when it's one way, ask question, but you just hold your uh, recorder in front of them and then the writer says their quote, you take that, put your headphones in, you're in the media room, download it, bang, 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 pump out your quotes. And that's not how I, that's not really how I work. Um, now, Daniel Freib, it actually also, when, you, when you're in it, you realize how hard it is and tiring it must be for like someone like Daniel Freib to do what he does every day. Oh. To go to the Tour de France every day, he's at the pre i mean it's actually almost easier in the tour because there's the designated zone where the rider comes up and you're standing on the fence you don't have to move uh the rider gets fed to you if once you've if you've organized them he does that 21 days in a row stage start stage finish with the with the recorder um and then so what the other option is like vlogging and you also realize when you're in person you're like fuck cycling maven man it was hard what he did like the stuff he used to make is actually much harder, and the fact he did it on a daily basis, it's actually a lot harder than you think in person. For it not to just be slop, mm. uh, as well. So maybe also perfectionism is an, is an an impediment. But yeah, I really struggle with a harassing the writers and b knowing really what to do. I think the easy thing. I love the tech stuff. So I think T D U. If you just go, okay, I want to get, I want to churn out twenty videos of the new world tour setups and gradually release them i think that's a that's a layup because they're all in the air-conditioned room before the race yeah personally that's what i want as someone that didn't go but was watching it following from the sidelines i can't go i want to watch videos that take me there so that's going to be either long form stuff i think like we did just chatting about it generally or vlog vlog stuff or tech stuff but Again, you, that's the stuff that you do, Chris, is really only the long form, just having a chat about it. And then GCN pretty much mop up all the rest. <laughs> yeah, well, see, so the, the, the actual reality of that was, so my media accreditation would not have allowed me to do the uh, take the bike. You know, I think, like, Alex is going to be releasing these now over the next sort of couple of weeks where it's him talking to a bike and here's the new bits and pieces. I wouldn't have been allowed to do that. So all I could have done is potentially filmed the stuff at the start line and kind of just ad hoc done the point camera at, at the bike and gone, okay, here are the wheels, here's the here's the tire width, et cetera, et cetera, which potentially might have been just as valuable. But again, you kind of like you said, LR, it's like it's a really weird time because, you know, well, you've been there, Jesse. Like it's 40 minutes before a race. The mechanics are getting the bikes ready. Do they want this rando like filming their bikes talking about it as they're putting air in the tires and the riders are going off for a warm-up or up to I I just I don't know I'm not ballsy enough to do that so I just creeped around in the background and sort of pretended not be there and like snap a little photo when I could when no one was watching yeah like the only way I've been able to do it in the past is when I just have a mate and I was like do you want to do a quick like Ben O'Connor before Catalonia Seb Berwick last year at the TDU like where I know it's no skin off their nose um, to do a five-minute chat. So that's the only – but, you know, you do a couple of them and you're like, well, I don't have that many mates. Um, <laughs> and more than zero, but probably less than 10. So it's you run out of content pretty quickly. So, yeah, I think it's 
like what could they do to to entice you over, Chris? I guess if you had it on your media pass, like at a particular hour during the week before the race, all the new bikes, like they told the teams, if you want your bike to get covered, put it in this room, and they're gonna twenty of them around in a circle, because all the media that's here are gonna are entitled to come and look at your bike, play with it, uh, etc. I think that that's a win-win for everybody. I yeah. feel much more comfortable doing doing that because you don't have to ask anybody, uh, and then they don't have to be asked because they're like, "You've got your hour slot to like look at our bike and set up. Don't ask us out of that slot." And the other thing is to is to reduce the logistics of of this. So if if there was some sort of podcast studio, even like it didn't have to be a professional setup, but at least something that was able to be filmed. And it made, and you were able to walk away and do a couple of shows while you were down there without having to just pick up. Like I'm just self-funding, you know, excess baggage. I don't, I can't do that. Yeah, but then uh, what if five people want to do a podcast? Like it's, and it, that's the problem. Uh, but yeah, I think it does make me realize like it's very different jobs. Uh, sort of the new age coverage where you're separate and not relying, never have relied on access. And then like traditional journalism, it's actually very different, even like the nuts and bolts of getting the content. Um, and I think if once you're accustomed to one way, I think it is actually difficult to do the other. Uh, like I just don't have it in me to go to every start and finish of a race. I just cannot physically do it. There is actually, there's this up and coming vlogger I've seen uh, his name's uh, Patrick Bro. <laughs> he's he's on the the January Health Kick. Can we talk about that? It, December, December, started December. December. Oh, okay. I got okay. in before. It's not a New Year's resolution. <laughs> Can we chat about this? I think they're no. legitimately freaking good. Yeah. I've I've watched most of them. <laughs> they're, they're they're good. And there's like it's a hole in that just vlog content from someone that's not just a complete. No offense, like degrade random person. Like someone that you kind of already respect, then makes vlogs. I'm in. I think they're awesome. Talk us, talk us through it. What's the plan here? Well, first it just. Well, I should probably go back to the story of my channel and like OG cycling YouTube, which was like Durian Rider was like one of the OG, if not the OG cycling YouTuber, yeah. right? Vlogging. Whether you like him or not, that is a reality. He spawned a lot of YouTubers, particularly in Australia. Um, and in the UK and America as well. And so he did that sort of content and then a lot of people uh, took elements of it and then probably boosted the production value significantly, like Maven, uh, and, and it was, you know, a bit cleaner. And basically that was sort of what was cycling YouTube back 14, 15, 16, 17 from memory. And I basically just started doing that. Like I, my biggest first video was riding up Willunga Hill with Bora. Uh, and had the GoPro on. And I basically wanted to be a cycling vlogger <laughs> yep. like Francis Cade, uh, who probably started a little bit earlier than me. And then not that many people were interested because <laughs> I, wasn't that, I wasn't that good. Uh, the TDU ended. There's no other pros in Australia to film riding up a hill behind. And I also started my job. So I just basically had this channel that, Kickstarter and shelved it. Then I started doing 2019 race videos. I was just I was just bored. They popped off. But the actual original channel had nothing to do with race analysis. 
and I always, and then the channel kind of got too big and I always wanted to do oh. vlogs, right? But then the channel got too big that the majority of the subscribers. Nah, the YouTube algorithm would not like that. Yeah, well, I'm not sure. After a while, no, you can. Mm. If I did a weekly vlog on the main channel about, and it had like, you know, going to the Tour de France route reveal, I think that would be fine. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it kind of got to the point where I was like, the, the people are not subscribed to this channel for me to start doing a vlog, sort of to your point, Chris. So I didn't feel comfortable putting a slop iPhone <laughs> health kick vlog on a channel with 250,000 subscribers. Just, I'm not going to, I just didn't feel comfortable. And that, I think that's actually a problem with YouTube at the moment is that you, it's scary to then start experimenting mm. again once you have a core concept that works. Because I know with a relative range of certainty, like what views I'm going to get when I do all the race videos this year. Um, whereas if I put that video on this channel, half the comments could be, what the fuck is this? Is this? <laughs> I'm not subscribed to see you walking up a hill <laughs> talking about Andrew Huberman. <laughs> so that's why. And it was, but it was mainly accountability that I started because I didn't, I didn't post it anywhere. I didn't mention it anywhere. I literally was doing it. So I had accountability and a record of my health fitness mm -hmm. journey. So the thousand watt calorie deficit. Are we, was the, was the, did I say thousand watt? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so why I <laughs> The thousand calorie deficit. How's how's this playing out day to day? So, are you managing to to train on this? What what are the moods like? So that was just no. That was just the first four weeks. So I was seventy seven kilos, and that was just the first four weeks. And I hadn't been doing much exercise. And you can see all on Strava, obviously, not plugging it, but like you can see. And so I was like, if I just start exercising ten hours a week across running and cycling, even low intensity, and basically eat the same calories as I have already been doing, albeit from better... Like I was trying a macronutrient split, making sure I had enough carbohydrate and protein mm -hmm. rather than just eating junk food. Um, I'm not going to be that hungry, especially as if, if I'm careful with carbohydrates before the relevant exercise. And also when you're doing uh, famous zone two training... You don't need as many carbohydrates when you're banging out VO2 intervals. So that was my theory, and it was kind of correct. I really wasn't that hungry if I was still eating like 2,000 calories a day. I was, yeah, okay. So I was aiming to burn 1,000 active and be in 1,000 just for four weeks to like kickstart it, you know, to get that visible progress on the scales on in the mirror. And then obviously like I'd, I'm not, like, I've not continued a 1,000 calorie deficit a day for the next month. Have you struggled with the habit change of actually eating healthier meals and getting rid of the junk? No. It's pretty easy? That, that's easy, yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. Is they know sort of what to eat. I just eat. don't buy it. I just went and got 10 kilos of rice from Asian supermarket, $25. And then I just eat beans with it and hot sauce. So just have it on hand. That's the trick is just don't have junk food and always have a healthy meal ready to eat. So you're not like, oh shit, I got to walk to the supermarket and then bang. It's never been my problem is no? I've never had a problem. I never would go. I don't, I haven't bought a supermarket at a, at a, at a grocery store almost ever. It, the problem is um, if someone else has bought it in the house, then 
It's gone. Like I might be able to avoid it <laughs> six times in a row, but then, <laughs> but then the seventh time, you. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna go for it. Or when we go out to, um, I just can eat so much. My biggest problem is like I can eat an insane amount of food for some of my height, like in one sitting. I can go to a restaurant and just eat like three thousand calories easy. Well, not easy. Like I'm <laughs> I'm stuffed after, but. Uh, so that's also the problem. So what? Just, I just want to go back into your history. I'm just curious about this sort of health thing. What year did you go from sort of cyclist to fat lawyer? When did that happen? <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. It's exactly what happened. So I was like, I was like 59 kilos. This is also the problem with vlogging. When I started vlogging on the original on the Lantern Rouge YouTube channel, I was like 59 kilos. You could like, I was like hollowed out cheeks, and then, um. Started work as a lawyer. Which year was and that? And then 2017, February 2017. Okay. So I was like at my skinniest, January 2017 during TDU. And then February started work as a lawyer. Stayed really active still, um, but I probably went up to about 65, 66, which is still like still a healthy mm, it's fit a good, person. Yeah, that's good. It's a good that's weight. totally fine. Good crit weight. It just kind of kept sliding and then sliding. And then I was probably like, 69 70 maybe and then covid hit and then bang okay you're in australia you're not allowed to go outside i've quit my job to start a podcast in the middle of the night every day (laughs) from balmain i've got darling street takeaway all there i'm working (laughs) fucked hours i don't have my bike i don't want to ride my bike in sydney either i'm from brisbane and gold coast and we also had a lot of like family, uh, like things happening as well. And so that just, I just went to like 82 kilos, bang, hit that COVID weight. Um, okay. And so like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously I wasn't like happy about that. I was very self-conscious about it. Uh, but it happened to a lot of people, I think. I think that's a common yeah. story to a lot of people. Mm. Like if you were an office worker, at least before you had to, commute, walk around the office, and then suddenly you're just at home working all day. It takes a lot of willpower to work a desk job, and then when you clock off, be like, I'm going to run, you know, go run 10K. I'm sure some people do it, but it makes it harder. Is this, uh, what, what, why now then? Is that, is that because work's steadier and you're sort of like, i got more time to train now, I can get into routine, so it's, is it more work-related that the timing's... Oh, I think my, like, my personal life has stabilised a bit, um... So in a pretty good place to do that from, yeah. So that, and then coming back to Australia was like the kickstart. So like change of environment, land, embrace the jet lag. So when I got off, I got off the flight, first day, woke up at 3 a.m., I got up. I just got up because I on the Gold Coast. Everyone gets up at 3 a.m. in the Gold Coast anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Like, And so just got up, started exercising. Because what would happen, like last year I had all these grand plans, and I woke up like a normal person at 8 a.m. You can't ride for two hours at 8 a.m. here. Yeah. Like, you can, but you'll get melanoma. Yeah, it's too hard. Um, or hit by you. Or it takes like three months mm. until you're ready, until you actually feel half decent because it's so hot. So I just embrace, use that change of environment to immediately create this new, this is how we're going to work, operate now. And, um, but like the motivation for it, I think, was firstly, I want I want to make, I do want to make, uh, interesting cycling content outside of videos, uh, highlight videos and outside of the podcast this year. I think I'm 
because I want to watch that content, so I presume other people do, and I think I have a good advantage to to make that happen with where I live, with the connections I have, with, I guess, the time I have uh, to, you know, say... Say Sepkus, like I, I go ride with, I don't, not brain, but like I, I ride with a lot of pros in Andorra, but I can't hang on his wheel when he's doing a temp, even a tempo interval, yeah. like not even close, and probably I can't even get there anyway. But like, I want to make more of that sort of content, which I'm already sort of kind of able to do anyway. But I tell you what, if you're a bit overweight and you go ride with with Coos, it's like <laughs> you, you look at the footage, you're like Jesus. I mean, if you, I should put I put it out there anyway. But you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. I'm not saying you have to get that skinny, but I want to be like in a decent shape, like yeah, to to put that out there, and also to be able to ride two three hours with him without being completely fucked. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, can we meet up? Oh, I'll be recovery day because I don't want to ride at five watts per kilo up every climb. Um, but if you're in shape, <laughs> you they're, can do. They're that. recovery. <laughs> they're recovery. They still ride up climbs like three and a half watts per kilo, man, for like an hour. Yeah. It's not slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two thousand meters. Like, it's not slow. You still like <laughs> you can't just do that off like unless you're a freak talent. Um, and so yeah, that was the motivation. And also, it's also healthier. Like if you look at, I did a DEXA scan. It's like clearly need to lose weight. So like looking at the data, it's like well, this is just the reality. You have to lose some weight. So um, I don't know. I hope I th- I think like a lot of people probably feel that way. But you just need. I'm fortunate that I have the time to do it to make that snap change in the off season. So you're going to keep making the the vlogs? So I'm going to do a weekly. Is t- daily is too much? So I think weekly is a good a good set amount to keep it going. Nice. Very glad. What do you think, Chris? You think there's a place for them? I'm always jealous of anyone in a in a vlog environment. If that's a thing that is um, has big relevant climbs people around it that's that was always the challenge here is to just try and make For anything sure. relevant to a global audience and yeah so immediately i'm jealous of not only the locations that you'd be able to do that but the people that you would be able to do it because like you said it, it's you know trying to make people interested in, and in your own cycling journey yeah okay i mean jesse might watch it for a couple of weeks but is he is he going to be that invested in in Patrick's Dexa scan in twelve months time? Probably not. But is he <laughs> is he going to be invested in uh, in Sepp Kuss's tra- last couple of training rides before he goes to defend the Vuelta? Hell yeah! yeah. I mean yeah. that's that's a different ball game. So yeah, I mean that's that to me is is the is the super interesting part. And like I, I was even I was even out. I was on a ride actually down in Adelaide and that Poggy video that um, – and I know it's not a vlog. I, I get that. That Matt Stevens one, that has just gone yeah, absolutely yeah. mental. And the, this, this, uh, this came up in conversation. It was actually a couple of – this is what I do. I eavesdrop when I'm on group rides. I'm listening to like everyone's conversation at the same time and these people were talking about it just behind me and I was – totally eavesdropping on the conversation and they were just saying like they couldn't believe how 
like open and, and funny and interesting the whole video was because basically it was just this guy at home taking the, the piss out of where he kept his Tour de France winner's trophy and, and things like this. So I don't know, I, I, I even think something like that, again, is is another route you could take it. Like, and even I really struggle with that. Again, it's what we said about at the team buses, like, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Andorra is like where the riders live with their family. And so like the last thing I wanted to do was like be this YouTuber that turns up and is like filming them when like, because it's like no one knows, like they basically get to oper operate there in complete like being left alone. They're at the races, they're harassed mercilessly in Andorra, they're left alone uh, for the most part. So that's also like... I didn't want to be that, that that guy either who sort of invades their their sort of their safe space. But no, that's different, obviously, because Pagacha's invited him to film in his home. Mm. And you're right, that video, I was like, if there's ever a proof of concept yeah. that this could is has interest to people, of course it's Pagacha Tour de France winner, but um you know, fifty K is a lot of views, seventy K is a lot of views, which is ten percent of that video. Yep. You're going up to so it's five point five watts per kilo for your own training. That's that's the <laughs> yeah, goal. What are you, Jeez, give me your confidence into here. We go, okay. Jesse. Yeah, what is it happening? Five point five. No, not unless you. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I asked. Is it something to do with work? Because I thought, oh, if you're going to cut your workload in half and have. No, my workload keeps Four going hours up. available ride time plus like an hour in the afternoon of kind of siesta time, you know, maybe. <laughs> Squeezing in two to three hours amongst work and all that. Especially oh, especially once the Juro hits and Oh, that's gonna be a whole different ball game for you when the Grand Tours start. Like Just so hang on, just quickly. So five, at five point five, so what what's the weight target? LR? Sixty. Jesus. Okay. Right. I'm not gonna. I won't be able to do the watts. Okay. If I'm 65, yeah. I'm not a talent. I can't do the watts at 65. Okay. You need like talent. Yeah. So, so what's the what, what's the? So you're gonna be doing? Is it like based on a 20 minute? What's what's your benchmark? No, no, be? no. Hour. Yeah. You hour, gotta do the hour. hour. You gotta do the hour. Uh, no, okay. no algorithms. Okay. No AI. <laughs> EFTP. We're doing a fucking one hour. That's your FTP. That's it. No, so the new thing is not. So you've got your FTP. Then the new thing is. Oh, critical power. Your time till exhaustion. How? No, no. How yeah. long can you hold oh, it? So now yeah. there's people like, well, my FTP is 300, but my time to exhaustion <laughs> is only 30 minutes. So like, well, <laughs> yeah. The definition of FTP is what can you do for an hour? Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, but, I'm confused. We're what, a weird... what lactate zone are we in at the moment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, I've just you know I've I've moved on. But so like where I'm starting from is. I basically untrained at 72 kilos, FTP of like 255, 260. What, so, so what was your peak when you were back from 2017 when you were training? About 290 at 58 kilos. And I was doing slop training. Okay. Yeah. 290 for an hour? Mm, 30 minutes TTE. <laughs> Jeez. Shimano power meter. Mm. Nah, probably 290. Nah, 290 is probably... That's, That's probably good. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. you're 58 kilos, Chris. Like, yeah. <laughs> like someone that's 75 kilos doing that, doing that same F watts per kilo on the flat will completely destroy you. Like, you still got to a crit at that weight, and you're like, you're not 
killing it in A no. grade. Not killing no. it in B grade, probably. Yeah. Um, no, what's what's win? What's win everywhere? Yeah. What, what, what? Um. Yeah, I know you were training slot, but what sort of volume were you doing roughly? You remember? I'd have to look. 2016, when I fi- I finished uni, had six months. Well, like 10, 12 hours a week. Maybe fifth, maybe oh, 13, okay. 14. So you weren't, you weren't crunching the case. Yeah. Uh, I did 300 for 20 minutes. 300 for 20 minutes. Uh, so I don't know what that means. Okay. Yep. That means 280, right? At 95%? Uh, it won't happen. But I wanted to have like a, you know, a stretch goal. What do you call a stretch goal, Jesse? Um, so you would need a training camp. That's probably your problem. Is I, I, I needed to be like you would, Yumbo, yeah. can, can I come and also be coached by by the yeah. staff while I'm there? I reckon you would just start to plateau if it was just sub fifteen hour weeks back to back to back. You you would need to fit a camp in once you're fit, which you might struggle to do with work. But yeah, nah. I don't know. Yeah, no, we'll see. You know what I think is going to be the new FTP. What's your compound score in two Ooh. years? I think that's what people are going to say. What's your compound score? It's what is a compound new... score? Compound Explain. is your five-minute absolute power multiplied by your five-minute watts per kilo. And so it's a better representation of how fast you actually go over five minutes because a 80-kilo rider with the same five-minute watts per kilo as a 60-kilo rider is actually much more valuable and goes much faster on actually all terrain, including like 10%, mm. if they have the same watts per kilo. So um, like UAE and all the teams, they look at compound score for, for evaluating riders because someone like Kenny Elisande, he just can't have that high a compound score, but you might have a 75 kilo rider with a pretty, like your watts per kilo is like, oh, it's okay, but then he's still doing... He's doing 530 watts, though, for five minutes. And so when you think about how fast he actually goes on even a 3 4 5% climb, it's, it's quick. So compound score, I think, will be the new. What's your FTP? Is there a... Uh, I've never heard of that term before. Obviously, the principle is familiar, but not... Um, yeah, not as a, as a calculation. Okay. Yeah. I haven't heard Duran Ryder mention it, so it's not relevant to me. Is that is that in, in the saddle, out of the saddle, with your shirt on, with your shirt off? I, I'm, I need to... That's that's where I'm at at the moment. Do you not think it is slightly hilarious how like not, this isn't on our run sheet, but like that he was preaching like for five years all the high carb stuff, and then like you got coaches of world nutritional coaches of world tour teams who like admit they were like keto bros during that whole time, and like guys are guys are creeping and bonking, and they're like, no, nah, do five hours fasted. And now these same coaches at, at World Tour teams are like, yeah, 120 grams per hour, obviously. <laughs> Carbohydrate. <laughs> we, so Jesse and I had this chat this morning, right? <clears throat> Duran Ryder versus Huberman. Who's, who's more in the ballpark? And <laughs> of what? <laughs> I, I got to say it. I'm leaning towards... Shirts off up Norton Summit because at least, <laughs> at least it's simplified. Like at least the direction to go is pretty clear. Drink water, eat sugar, sleep, ride your bike. It's, it's in the right direction. All this other faff about 
plunging and facing the <laughs> sun and backflips, whatever it might be. It's just so – you've got to put so many ducks in a line to actually get out the door and be a fit human. I just – I'm not sorry. A human's I'm, not a fit human. What's his 5K? Well, that's reckon? the other thing. Yeah. Well, you reckon his 5K is? And he doesn't even squat. No. He doesn't even squat. Like these gurus, they will go so far out of their fucking way not to do a 5K and not to do an Olympic lift. Like, because they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to do a clean. They don't know how to squat properly. I reckon reckon Atea was pushing about 130 watts in his zone two Instagram story video. He actually, he's not that bad. Slapping about the place. I think it's, yeah, it's purposely, because if you have to churn out two pieces of content a week about health and fitness, like, you got to, you got to talk about something. And that's Mm. why Trainer Road, like, their podcast, um, unless there's like new scientific discoveries happening all the time, it's once you've kind of said what there is to say, it must be difficult to think like, what are we going to talk about this week? Uh, that's why I specifically focused on pro cycling because there's a new, there's a race every week with a mm. new storyline. I, I don't have to think up any content. Do you, now I guess people do take a try. At least with, with Duran Rider, you, you're kind of, at least you're going to be pointed in the right direction. You're missing all the detail, but you're probably like a quarter of the way and in the right direction. Whereas if you're kind of piecing together bits from, yeah, from Huberman or whatever other kind of sources you're pulling in, some like deep dive trainer road thing, it's, it's, you're going to be, you might be, you might have 5% of the detail, but you're heading in the wrong direction. And I think, yeah, I think uh, I don't, unfortunately, or possibly fortunately, I don't think uh, Harley's getting the views where he's really moving the needle in a... Lay off the stims, mate. Lay off the stims. <clears throat> uh, that's the thing, like, um, I said about Huberman is that all, all the discussions about Zone 2, etc. It's like people just need to exercise a bit more. And the reality is they will probably like me or are like me and they were too sedentary and eating too much food. And that's the problem. That was, that's the, like, that's 95%, right? And then your red light therapy, your acupuncture or your, your other stuff, your whatever, ayahuasca, um, that can be your 5%. But really like the fundamental things are, as you said, sleep, movement, right, the right food. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dude. But I get uh, I get my back up against the wall on not just the 
cold plunging stuff, but even even the the polarized training thing. The amount of like people I would speak to, and they're like, "Oh, what's your you know what's your training velocity? You know, do you do, do you, you know do you recommend polarized?" It's the first question. Do you do? Po- I'm really? like, uh, there's <laughs> there's like a hundred other training principles which you would need to tick off, and make sure you're getting right. So that you're responding well to training, training high quality, before you're then going into what I would say is relatively specific niche area of what's your exact training intensity distribution. Like you're quite far down the line, but it's because it's. I guess it's an interesting conversation. No, that topic has just been moved so far up that it's it's almost a meme at this stage. Um, and I feel actually the same way about the whole lactate discussion, and that yeah. something which is, in my opinion, down far down the line. Is like, do you do polarized training and do you measure your lactate? It's like the two biggest things. And I'm just, I, I, I maybe I've, I've just haven't been following along. I'm like, what are you, what, like, I don't even know how to answer that. Like, wh- what's the question here? It's just weird how these things just. Yeah, like, like lactate measurements are like important for pros, obviously, but the setting zones, I guess, but. I think in running they're really important and easier to do because basically they're running laps around the track and they get lactate pricks like every lap um, or every time they finish an interval. So I think it's more difficult to do in cycling. Like I, yeah, I, I don't think any rider that has great power numbers but their lactate levels are not great at those power numbers is not getting signed. I think you still sign the rider. Well, even from like a training prescription point of view, yeah, there's a lot of other things that I'd be looking at before I'm then going, oh, I really need to see your lactate profile. I really need you measuring lactate within your training because I'm out of ways to improve the training process for a rider. Yeah, and that's it's all right. I always come back to. I'm like, well, yeah, will it be useful when we have continuous lactate monitors through an Apple Watch? Would I be looking at that data? Yeah, for sure. But like, what what would you change? That you wouldn't already. Like I can tell you an example today. I did four threshold intervals and then it was like 40 degrees perceived temperature. And then I was supposed to ride home and do zone two for 30 minutes home. And my heart rate was supposed to be X. And I was, I knew if I ride this power, my lactate level is going to be so far above two millimole. <laughs> it will be funny. I know. Cause, and I was looking at my heart rate. I was fucked. And it was so hot. So like, I already know that. So what? So I just went a bit slower. Um, or you can just maintain, match the power because you want to do the power. It doesn't matter. But like, what would the lactate change in that situation? I guess knowing for sure I'm over two millimole. What well, I think your your uh, your heart rate and your effort level in that part of the session uh, was obviously higher because of the heat. I don't know necessarily if your lactate would have even reflected that what you were feeling. Oh, I'm unfit, yes. Okay, <laughs> I'm telling you. How far into the ride did you say you were? <laughs> Oh, you're done. Your so I just I, I was riding home. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, potentially, yeah. But even other things like um, if you're making sure your nutrition's right, if you're going out for a, a VO2 max yeah. day and you're measuring your lactate, would that be able to help you make sure that you're if if the session I use it so similar to heart rate, like if something's gone wrong in a session and you're kind of going, well, what what's happened here? Lactate would really help with that because lactate is linked closely to nutrition, so you'd be able to it would be a an investigative point of what was your heart rate and then well right now you've kind of got effort level heart rate then you can kind of get 
oxygen saturation in the blood if you have one of those sensors. And then lactate. Well, lactate would be useful as a and way glucose. of helping figure out what's, what's going on there. So I think you, you'd use it in, in that sort of way. Did the continuous glucose monitors, can they stop you bonking? Stop you bonking? Like, yeah, like can people, can, are they useful enough that they t- you can use that information in the ride to stop yourself bonking? Potentially, because if if you had if you tracked your if you had a um a, a metabolic test in the lab and you had your uh, lactate levels tracked with your substrate usage, potentially you could use yeah. that as a way to calculate. It was so far down the line, though. You could use yeah, yeah you could yeah. use that to yeah to calculate how much <laughs> carbohydrate you've burnt, and then through a and then estimate what your storage would have been during. But that it doesn't it, it never really works because by the time you get so far down the line. I don't think it would, you'd have any data that's useful. Similar with glucose monitors. That's a similar thing. There's so many variables. By the time you're actually trying to pull an insight from it, you're going, oh, it ends up being a lot of guesswork anyway. Um, yeah. But I still think it would be, uh, if, if I had riders that could continuously monitor it, I'm 100% convinced it would, be, it would add value. From an accuracy standpoint, is that, is that really what you're able to, to glean from well, it's not even Well, it's not even possible. I don't know. A lot of them are not that accurate. The, okay. the, the lactate monitors I've seen, like they're like, oh, it's coming to market. It's like 10% off. Mm. And like you look at, if you're trying to train at Inigo San Milan's Fat Max, that's at like 0.2 millimole below your tipping point, end of zone two, his zone two. So like that 10% is right there. Um, so. Maybe some of them more accurate. I think some are supposed to be released this year. There's one from uh, the company that supplies the hardware to Super Sapiens because Super Sapiens don't make those to CGM devices. They have a software company, as I, as I understand it. Abbott, big big company, is doing CLMs uh, as well. But, I mean, is it potentially a really useful tool post-training or even yeah, from an intensity point of view to... Guide a, to guide a little sure. bit? Yeah, definitely. Is measuring lactate a method of training? N- no. Like, what do you mean? Like, it's kind of put oh. out as in like, I... Oh, yeah, I it's, not a method, it's not a method It's of the training, Norwegian yeah. methods measuring lactate. I'm like, well, that's not how they're scheduling their training. Like, what What no. do you... Like, they're still going and doing weeks of training. <laughs> it's and, as, and as a non-coach cycling youtube watcher that's what i thought it was like legitimately if you if i i thought oh my god this is this is a different i'm going to be cycling backwards or something like that was how that was how dramatic the shift to my riding was going to be when i started the norwegian protocols but yeah ultimately and talking to dan about it a bit as well it's just like oh it's just a different way to measure okay I'm still going to do threshold sessions. Yeah. I'm still going to do zone two sessions. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm still going to make okay. sure I'm not overtraining. I'm still going to monitor my yeah. nutrition. I'm still going to get blood tests to measure to my blood values. I'm still going to follow. I'm still likely going to follow a TSS model to some degree of my weeks and my months. So, so you're doing all that even before you're then measuring lactate. Um, so yeah, it's a part of that, but it's not. Yeah, it's still based on. Like there's a blue paper or a white paper on the Norwegian method from Marius Bakken who like worked, well, he had like, he had beef with Ingebrigtsen's father because Ingebrigtsen's father was like, no, nah, I did it all myself and this guy's got receipts. It's quite interesting um, 
uh, that he's got receipts, like telling Ingebrigtsen's father about that. It's like, yeah, like they use lactate measurements to stay below four millimole, and he tries to stay between two point three and three millimole when he's doing his threshold sessions, and he he realised he could do a lot more of them at that uh, sub threshold sort of zone. Maybe it'd be sweet spot. I'd hazard a guess in cycling is what we would call that, um, which is not a new concept. Sweet spot training, and also his point over like 5,000 tests was he his lactate varied a lot throughout the year, throughout the season. It, mm. made, it just made him understand his body a lot more. Uh, and also like some Kenyans, they enter anaerobic threshold like two millimole. So it varies a lot between individuals. So even two millimole is not like a golden standard for, you know, tipping over... Fab Max or whatever for people, a trained people, it could be different. But yeah, I'd encourage people if they're interested to read about the Norwegian model of lactate testing during training. And if you're actually um, interested in what they do, listen, Rich Roll did good podcasts with the coach and with Gustav and Christian. So if you're interested in taking lactate out of it, what? Are, how do they actually train and recover and what are they actually doing? Yeah. Their podcasts are really good because they just explain it and it's basic. I mean, obviously they're using the tech to have some insight, but the majority of what they're doing is foundational endurance training and, yep. and not making all the mistakes that, you know, that are that are possible to make. Do you think double threshold days could work in cycling or would ever become popular? Have you already discussed this? Maybe I did a morning, video. Morning two hours threshold efforts, afternoon threshold efforts. You would, you yeah, I was going to say, you'd have to, <laughs> the level that you'd need to be at where <laughs> even a one threshold session a day is not going to give you enough stimulus to be pretty far down the line. Um, but, well, it depends what you're training for as well. I mean, I, most, if you're training for a road event, the whole point of doing it, especially as you get in season, doing it already fatigued, you, you're you're doing that on purpose. That wouldn't be something you're, you'd be actively trying to avoid splitting your threshold work because you're trying to do it all in one session. Um Right, but yeah, but I mean, potentially, if you're training, if you're training for a time trial, and you're at a fitness level where the threshold sessions is so fatiguing and your energy turnover is so high that you get you accumulate, let's say, ninety minutes of zone four in a single session, and that's still not stimulating enough to get the aerobic progression you want. Yeah, potentially, you would split that up over morning and afternoon. Yeah, but. You'd have to be a pretty big <laughs> engine to be getting to that <laughs> level, especially because it's cycling. We don't have the injury risk, so exactly, uh, yeah. Uh, there'd be guys there. I mean, Filippo Ganna, uh, you know, a guy like that, training for the hour record. Is he able to get all the work he needs done each week, doing Maybe one right a week? Do double days, yeah. Uh, you know, I could start to see. Yeah, I could. I could see a reason why it would work or be would be needed there, but like someone like, why would I do that? Why would I do that now? Like, um, I just need to ride my bike a little bit more, and that probably goes for a lot. Or if your recovery was, if your recovery was so bad that you you yeah you were doing you were accumulating let's say forty uh, thirty minutes in zone four, and you were kind of getting really fatigued. Either you're just inexperienced enough where that's going to be enough training stimulus anyway, or you'd need to look at your fueling and your recovery. Like that 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 would be indicating yeah. an issue if if that was the case anyway. Yeah. Do you want to have a bit of? Uh... A bit of brand chat, a bit of, bit of cycling equipment brand chat. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. 
Is um, Patrick is you a you don't come off as like a brand guy, although you have an RM nah, shirt. Nah, see, nah, so I'm as I'm a secret. What do you mean by brand guy? You mean like, am I obsessed with bike tech and yeah, stuff? Yeah, what's like the froth? What are you on the froth scale? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm like, I'm a bit like you. I'm like a pathetic rim brake, <laughs> rim brake, you know, like, um, which is ridiculous. Like, they don't work as well. Like, that bike I have out there, I can't stop in the wet. I straight up can't stop. I'm riding carbon clinches, which I was like, how the fuck were these allowed to be sold? Literally in the wet, I cannot stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but I'm like, nah, rim brakes are the best. <laughs> and then obviously like, uh, but it's, I'm kind of, like I've built my own bikes from scratch, like getting every single constituent part secondhand from Marketplace. And I constructed a bottom bracket bearing press from Bunnings for a dollar instead of buying <laughs> the tool for the press fit bottom bracket. So yeah, like I, I follow it, but I would never... I would never spend an extra 7K aftermarket to get like tune hubs and okay. extra light. Okay, but what about what about when you when you start getting sort of around the five watts per kilo and like the <laughs> the Patrick Bro vlogs are taking <laughs> big, off. Big right? You're yeah. full you're full on bike influencer. The brands are reaching out and they're like, all right. We we the specialized trek giant, they're all hitting you up. Okay. What's What's the what's the one email from what from what bike are you seeing at the moment that we, you would go, you know what, yeah, send me one of those. Is Giant is there TCR. anything? Okay, TCR, yeah. my old, it's my old faithful. Like I know that I know that the I know the tarmac's better, right? Like as an all round bike, like in the data. Um, I just I'm used to a TCR. The only thing is the integrated seat posts are a pain to travel with. Um, See what I mean, Jesse? The TCR fan, like it is, it's a real Mm. thing. It's a, they're, it's, it's like a Ford or a Holden driver or something. (laughs) They just don't take the TCR off me. Like we were having this chat about why a giant even bothering releasing a TCR now. Because What do you mean? It's yeah, well, that's you've bike. got to you've got to defy <laughs> and you've got to propel. It's like why bother oh. with this? this and they're all within like three hundred grams of in each between. other. But it's because the TC. I don't. What does TCR stand for? The cycling Total revolution or something? Road, isn't it, or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, that's what I like. I've got a tattooed on the my back right? of my it's neck. Like one of the original ones. <laughs> yeah. Wide tires. You you want? Are you on board with wide tires? Then we get a nice little fat set of. Uh, I don't know if Kadex run wide tires, but I think I reckon that's the biggest difference you would see if you went if you went to the dark side, would be the nice twenty eights at fifty five psi. I mean, no, I was on that a long time ago. I was riding clinches forty five psi, fifty well, psi, like five six five six years ago. <laughs> well, in your light, because uh, yeah, it's okay. smaller no problem, yeah. Yeah, it probably was a bit low, but I always, I tested, I pushed it, I pushed, see how low can I go? How low can I go with the with the things? Because like, yeah, now they, the teams all, teams are all running like 4.2 bar. I don't know what that is in PSI. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't really care. I actually don't think there's much difference between any of the bikes, a lot of the bikes, like between like the best ones, like the Scott, the foil's obviously good, Tarmac's good, Propel's good, um, like that. Uh, your specialissima, uh, Chris, don't know about that one. Uh, but definitely, like, the big difference, I think, is in the tyres and wheels around the teams. Like, 
you mentioned on the last pod, Cofidis, right, with Corima. Corima didn't make a tube. They don't make tubeless uh, compatible wheel set. At least That's they didn't last cooked. year. How could you not so, use tube? Yeah, so you're literally, your riders are like giving up, I don't know how many watts. At the start line, you know your riders are like giving up, what, 10, 15 watts? I don't know how many it is. It's Every just madness. Rider. And, and that's why Astana started using Astana started using head wheels mid-season because they also had Corima. I, I couldn't believe what I was because again, like maybe it was just that they were sitting right next to the Envy wheels on the UAE bikes, but it looked it looked stupid, and and I I, leg, I legitimately felt sorry for the riders because it's it is you are. Like the role. Oh, anyway, we've we've gone over this. I just, well, Sudal is still using um, uh, tubes in their specialized setup. They still haven't gone tubeless. They haven't gone tubeless, but they're still running the wider Rovell wheels. Yeah, as opposed to. I still find that weird. Why wouldn't you just run them tubeless? You get yeah. less flats. It seems like a no-brainer. All right, boys. Now, while I've got you, while I've got you thinking a little bit of equipment, I want to do a little uh, little test for you. All right. So what I've done is I've gone and grabbed the the marketing phrase for a number of cycling brands and products. I should say that this is a mix of of brands and a specific product of a brand. I'll let you know when when we do those. All right. But not services like Training Peaks. It's like a, a physical product. Correct. Correct. Okay. All right, so I'm, I want to start you off with this one. <clears throat> now you can buzz in, or you can just just go for it. <laughs> oh wait, are we guessing what they are? Or are we going like? You, no, you're scale? guessing, guessing, guessing the company. I want you to okay. guess it. Yeah. All right. Beat yesterday. Oh. Because that one, I th- that one, I thought it was going to be like Trainer Road or something. You, that's not. You, you're on a. You're on the right route. So it is a. It's a. It's a it's a training on bike solution. Is it Wahoo? Very very close. Oh. Garmin. Garmin. Correct. Oh. Well done. I'm actually very impressed with that. All right. Second one. Second one. I think's easy, but I, I needed to give you a give you one to go for. The world's finest cycling clothing. Assos. Incorrect. Who would say that? Close. Oh, <laughs> I actually don't know. Like Giordana or something. Rafa. Really? Mm. Oh, that doesn't fit there. No, that ma- that must be a legacy one from a couple. That's their main. That's their like main uh, head of. So that's not that's not like going the um, into because each product almost has its own tagline. But that's their like Rafa, the world's really? finest okay. clothing. Because right. it can't be like Second Castelli because Castelli's like quality, affordable quality, yeah. not the yeah. best. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to give you a clue for this one. This is a apparel brand. <clears throat> Be your alter ego. Ah, no, this one. I'll sit this one out. Panama Studios. Close. Attacker. Ah. <laughs> mm. I kind of like it's. They've played the alt card. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was good branding, that one. All right. Now, this one obviously is a pretty generic phrase, but um, it's a specific bike model. Ultimate speed. Oh, Canyon Arrowed? Incorrect. Oh, so I was going to guess uh, Canyon as well, but they wouldn't put Ultimate in that. I will. I will. I will say that that bike model registers in this, so that will be somewhere on this list. 
So ultimate speed. Scott Foyle. The giant propel. Ah. Okay. I can see it's very giant, isn't it? Just very mm. fast. Yeah. <laughs> very fast bike. Very fast. Very fast bike. <laughs> now, I thought this one was interesting. Refuse to compromise. This is a bike brand. Not a, no, I'm not talking about a specific model, just a bike brand. Refuse to compromise. It's a bit insecure. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's Ooh, like, it makes, it makes me think that you're mm. saying that's they're handcrafted in a country and they're actually Taiwan moles. That's a great read. <laughs> Fuck. Pinarello. Incorrect. Jesse? Come on, you got this. Oh, it's <laughs> You've seen this on a Facebook ad, I swear. <laughs> Is it Factor? Yes. Oh. <laughs> The oh, Facebook great. ad got me. They're, they're, yeah. They've got a good yeah. ads campaign they're running. Very good, yeah. All right, now this is a bike model. I reckon you'll get this. This is a bike model. Trek Madone. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Trek Madone. Oh, don't get me to do Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, yeah, we got to uh, guess the slogan. Was... It's like Jeopardy. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was, well, that was fast forward, no? That was fast forward, correct. Yeah. Damn. Oh, that would have been a good one. All right, don't stuff this one up, Chris. All right, this is a brand, cycling brand. The Ride Ahead. It's not a frame manufacturer. A physical cycling product. It is a physical cycling product. Hammerhead. That we have. My guess was Hammerhead. It's not that. No. Is it like, um, what's that really luxe brand of lights that they clip on? <laughs> Exposure lights. No. You were thinking no. way too literally about it. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll give you both. I'm going to give you both another guess. Uh, we've talked heavily about this sub, this this particular accessory on the bike and how important it is. Pirelli. Oh, close. <laughs> <laughs> Vittoria. Yes. Oh, well good. Well good guess. Uh. All right, two more. <clears throat> Two more. Faster everywhere. <laughs> it's a bike model. Faster everywhere. Oh, it, 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 oh. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh. Faster everywhere. That's the, is it the SLA? No, that's, I actually was going to put that in, but it's the, it's, it's still uh, the one bike to rule them all, I think, is, lit, is actually their tagline for that. I think, I think that's a good one, to be honest. Yeah. I think that's really uh, the BMC or, like, the BMC one. Oh, no, do, they, no. do BMC market a climbing in an aero? I've heard no. this one before. I've heard it. You I, have. I, I would you, have read it. We talk about this bike a lot, Jesse. <laughs> oh, it's S5. No. It's the Cannondale Super oh, 6. Okay. I'm going to do two more. D okay. Developed for World Tour wins. Ooh. Very German. Bike model. Bike model. Bike model. Bike model. Dash. Developed for World Tour wins. They are going hard on World Tour wins. It's not Cervelo, so... I mean, is it Colnago then? But that doesn't seem like very Italian heritage branding. No. Who wins World have Tour races? The, have the biggest name cyclist 
Is, is that one the Canyon Air Road? Correct. Canyon Air Road CFR. All right, the last one, the Quiver Killer. Oh, I've heard this one too, the Quiver Killer. Yeah, it's, it's a bike yeah, model. It's a bike model. Is that like? Does that mean like one bike to rule them all? Sort of. Like, correct. Know, quiver, yeah, the Quiver Killer. Is this a, is this a pop? Yeah. Is this like a, a not super well known brand? No, it's a very well known brand. And I'm actually I didn't have this down. I just know this because I just saw this pop up. I think they they almost got out in front of everyone else with this. Couple. This is a few years old. I don't even know what bikes people ride. Honestly, it may have just won the. A recent world tour race. Oh, Factor. Factor Ostrovan, the quiver killer. Oh, so I was going kind of, go. I was going all road or endurance. Okay. No, way off. Yeah, isn't um, Ostrovan a climbing bike? bike? Or is it supposed to be aero? I was watching the GCN uh, to pro th- to a tech thing, and they reckon that new uh, Factor's 10 watts faster. I've done well to save 10 what? watts there. Jesus. I mean... That's the thing, like, if these bikes are all getting so much faster, like 10 watts adding up over the season, then riders who are on them <laughs> should be winning easily. Because <laughs> they're, they're all riding at, like, 45 kph plus all the time. Or, I mean, it, it actually does make a big difference in the TT bikes, like the haves and the haves-nots. But um, as I said before, I really think, like, I think the foil must be pretty good. Um but then so was like five others, six others. But that's, I mean, that's 10 watts over the previous generation of the, of the Ostro oh, van. Okay. Which was so pretty, it, that was pretty, everyone which, rates it. Everyone rides it. Tell you what, my, my bike, my bike from, from uni that I got here that I, I beat up and the handlebar, it really holds its speed. Well, like, <laughs> just the old zip, the old zip hubs, they really, when you, once you ring them up, ring them and they ring it, they really, they Once moving. you've got them, <laughs> Once you've got them back to the shop for the recall replacement, they're all good. They're brilliant. It is unbelievable. This bike sits next to the ocean with a door open on it for the last two years. And I haven't changed the cables. I haven't done any service on it. I literally come back after a year, put chain lube on. I don't even clean it and it shifts perfectly. I had no issues. Literally, like under pressure, go go big, small ring. It's I'm like, how could I justify paying three grand for di for Duro's di two? I could justify it, but that's pretty freaking impressive yeah, for like, those that yeah. have lived at the <laughs> yeah. beach. Maybe those aren't uh, aren't in Australia. That salt water breeze off the sea is brutal. It just yeah. rips through stuff. That's crazy, actually. That's why, like, yeah, I think the Shimano 105 like 11 speed is one of the greatest group sets ever created like it's price when it was originally released is unbelievable maybe not now but when it was originally released the price was unbelievable um and how good just how good it was for that price but that's why you can't the the brands are stuffed because until they develop their own group sets they're never going to be able to price a bike that potentially me or you thinks a decent price because the 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 group sets even oem are so expensive I mean, the, the best yeah. one right now is SRAM Rival, but it's you're still not getting a build uh, for, my, for struggling to get under 5K Aussie for a build. Isn't that the whole pushback from the, the bike industry is that, yeah, it's all good and well to, to whinge about the bike prices and compare us to the, to the motor industry, the automotive industry, but by, the bike industry doesn't own the production process from start to end. It's, it's this 
higgledy-piggledy bits of pieces coming in from all different stakeholders to eventually get to the to the to the customer. So, like you said, it's not until that production process is streamlined all the way through that we're ever going to see something that's relatively affordable. So I don't know. Maybe that's just a, a, a cop-out answer, but that's kind of what I continue to get told. SRAM have gained market share, right? They I must like they have. have I haven't seen a stat on it. But Since I started riding, SRAM in Australia is, and in the world tour has gained. I mean, they just won all three grand tours. They just like... They must be gaining significant market share. You would think that competition between them and Shimano would decrease prices. Um, yeah, you'd you think. think. <laughs> you got any questions for us or are we? Yeah, I do okay. have one question. What are your guys' plans this year? You got, what's what's the plan? You're going to um, it with the show, just keeping on keeping on. That's also what I'm kind of doing mostly. If, if something's working, don't change. But, yeah, what's the plans with the show this year? Keeping on keeping on is is certainly the most paramount thing. And as you know, that's that's kind of a challenge week in, week out. Um, definitely. I, I mentioned this towards the back end of last, last year, and I do stand by this even though, even though Adelaide was valuable and kind of challenging and probably ultimately a bit of a waste of time. I still want to do the the bike expo industry stuff because even if maybe the content isn't that valuable from it purely on the channel, I still I still think like something we don't do, something we're still short on is having some some physical connections with people who are in the industry to to be able to back and forth from with some of the the topics that we talk about and, and things like that. And as you know, LR like. The bike industry is still a who's who you know industry. Oh, he's mates with him. He's mates with him. We just we're still so on the outside of that that I think to to kind of take our just the pure content to the next level. I think we probably need to start getting into that a bit a bit more. And you know, so I don't know. Putting putting aside all and I've whinged about this in the past. I don't really want to go into it again about like the brand stuff with being involved with the show. I just still think. We can we can make better content, and to make better content, I probably have to be a little bit more extroverted and get out and have those conversations, maybe. And it's got to be in person too. I've since realised, like, you really. I mean, this is like not a, a a business consulting course, but yeah, like going to see Otter, showing your face, maybe making some interesting content in person. And the problem is, like, we're all Australian. It's so fucking far. And expensive to go. Um, I wanted to go to Eurobike. It, they put it on during the Tour de France every year. And then they emailed me. So, uh, this is the, it's the first week of the tour. Eurobike. I think uh, GP Lama, Shane, like here's some of his biggest piece of content, I think is filmed at Eurobike. You know the huge cassette video? The, the crazy chain that has like millions of views? I think that was at Eurobike because they bring out wacky stuff there. So, but that's, it's it's expensive and you you got to get the spreadsheet out and you're thinking, how am I going to make this work? Um, especially when, and sorry for bad news, Chris, but not a single bike brand has ever contacted me to sponsor LRCP. Uh, it's like, but I think that's the thing. Like you got to be, you got to be putting yourself out there. Uh, but that's it's difficult from Australia. What we do is a show every week, 
that people find really entertaining and somewhat interesting, yeah. uh, somewhat informative. And so one of the things is also figuring out, well, yeah, you could go to, we could go to Shanghai Bike Show and film videos there. But you kind of, there's so many other options or you go to, or maybe we should go to more racing or you kind of then just, there's so many different avenues you can go down. But at the end of the day, what are people, what is the Nero show? What's a show every week that people watch and they want, so I'm more interested this year of just doubling down on making the show funnier, just more, just better in every way. Um, And like, to be honest, if if, if I don't go to anything this year, and all we do is have 52 really good <laughs> Nero shows that I enjoy yeah, yeah. re-listening to, I'd be happy. I've realized like, I need to do some, just a few things throughout the year just to break it up a little bit, just to keep pushing, doing something different, you know, challenging myself and Benji and Co a little bit to do. Otherwise, it's not going to become core content, but otherwise I'll go crazy, you know. And, and But you guys, you know, 52 is a good amount. Like We're doing like 180 pods a year. I'm making over a hundred videos a year. Um, it's, it's good to do something a little bit different, but yeah, it's, I think, I don't know. I'm trying to think what would be like, would people watch a Bob and head TT video between you two? People uh, would, we've done some of those videos. The, the problem is Patrick, the, the problem is but like, no, it, we don't it, have time. Like, especially now, like I've yeah, got a yeah. son now who I, I want to be a good parent to and not be off making videos every week and I've got a full-time <laughs> job and the show isn't really yeah. a business. It doesn't, it's not a job. So I, yeah, I could, we could yeah, spend yeah. heaps of time if, if some brand pumped cash into it and make it amazing and do all types of things. But for now, that's just not, none of that is realistic because it's not a bit, it's not yeah, a bit yeah. profitable it's not, uh, yeah. I mean, it's profitable, but it, you know what I mean. Like, it's not an income source where we're going off, going, yeah, let's do do this and let's try that. It's like, it's not reality. Well, yeah, like let's book an Airbnb in Bright for and spend three days there and spend maybe a grand, you know, between the two of us. And uh, and then once you're talking about getting videographers involved, like that's what I'm trying to do. A uh, Flanders and Roubaix recon to release those videos before the those races this year and like because it's going to go on the lantern rouge youtube channel i know like there's going to be like a baseline level of ad revenue at least on it so i can i'll shoot to break even which is like long term no one does anything no one works to break even that doesn't make sense but i can initially shoot to break even um because it's something different but yeah like videographers are not cheap uh especially if they have to bring like two people you've got to hire a car you got to I've got to fly me and got to fly Benji and got to fly Luke in or train them in. Like it's quickly adds up to do like a, and it'll be a great video and I can't wait to do it. I'm really excited about it. So I want to do it. But, um, and the time investment's huge, like planning and, and it's a week out before San Remo. Mate, we can't, we can't get, I don't want to get too much into it, but like <laughs> we, we can't get a brand. To You're, you do, guys are not that edgy. Like, no offense. Like sorry? it's not that. The content's not that edgy. No, and it's, like, it's so I can see funny. you guys, you guys are pretty brand safe. It's like, and you have this conversation and it's like, oh, we're just not sure. We're just, we, we're just not sure because we, we, you guys, yeah, we haven't seen you do any sponsorship and promotion on the yet. So 
we're, we're just a bit tentative. So how about like $200 a month and and you can maybe just like mention our product every now and again. I'm like, what what are, what are we doing here? Like, I think unfortunately like that's kind of what I did with LaCole is like when we were getting it off the ground, they showed a lot of faith in the podcast actually. Uh, without their support, probably wouldn't have been what it is today. But yeah, like there wasn't people knocking my door down to to sponsor the first season or second season of it. Um, and so they got a great deal. We got we were very happy. Uh, well, like it was it was fine. It like allowed us to do it. But yeah, like two hundred bucks a month ain't like come on. That's better. That's, that's not the ho- That's barely the hosting costs of the like. The but it's not complaining. Like, like it's fine. It doesn't. Okay, we'll keep doing the show. But it's like yeah, we're not going off and doing like. If a brand was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you, his, you can't then be like, let's spend yeah. a grand. If a brand was like, his. here's here's mm. ten grand. Can you go and make a video? And, and, and yeah, we'd go down to Jindabyne and we could film something, and that'd be yeah, happy to do that. But like, that's not happening yeah. so like i wouldn't i mean i'm not really putting much mm. of my time into even planning stuff like that because it's just a waste of time it's literally a waste of time maybe i mean yeah be nice but and yet you know that that same brand will spend ten, fifteen thousand dollars on a page advert somewhere and have no engagement with that content or at sponsor all but, a world tour team <laughs> yeah yeah what a waste of money yeah exactly <laughs> so um. Yeah. You know what you got to do is create your own product is the mm. reality. Like, um, you know, uh, or, or merchandise, you, got, you know, you got the kits, but there's also, you know, I was, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to create a product this year. I'm in my entrepreneur mode. So I was thinking, because I got really bored in the off season. I know this is going to go for a long time. So what I did was I downloaded an AI neural network software that they developed to analyze mice in laboratories by like tracking their biometric movements. And then I was like, surely if you train this on a rider in a TT position in the wind tunnel or on the track, and then it spits out graphs and like the relative relationship between the various points of his head crown and his, his wrist, if you then put that over his race TT footage, you could figure out whether a rider's actually doing their wind tunnel position in the race because i don't think you can figure that out right now so it's completely all right okay yeah because how do you know if a rider even was aero in the race you look at them you're like ah he, he looks good he looks good oh you're too upright like i mean maybe bigham's got some software in-house in ineos i'm not sure they're running the little machine you can have on the, the front of the bike but you could have AI software in theory that could tell you that actually the relationship between your, the ratio between your wrists and, and head crown was way different to what we had you in in the Actually, can I ask you about that? So what makes that AI versus just a video tracking sports software that already exists? Like what is it that's intelligent? It's like training the neural, the neur- the network to actually, I don't even know myself to be honest. It like it's training and learning itself from the footage. Oh, so what you're, just, based on what you're feeding into it, it gets smarter each like iteration you do, each additional piece of footage you feed into okay. it with tags. Right, it will get smarter. Okay, um, and more accurate. Like the loss will decrease. That's as I understand it. Again, I'm not <laughs> a computer scientist, but just get bored. 
Um, but yeah, there's, I'd love to see, there's loads of different technology stuff. And um, anyway, that was a complete tangent. I just had to get that off my chest because maybe there's a computer scientist that listens to this and I blew up my computer <laughs> doing it. Well, I find it interesting too, because I've seen like uh, different, well, some training software as well do it, where they say it's AI. And I'm kind of like, it's, this sounds awfully like a very complex no, equation. No, no. It's an algorithm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an algorithm. Yeah. P- a lot of people want to say linear regression is yeah. AI. <laughs> it's not AI. Um, but yeah, AI is like a new buzzword. So maybe, you know, you see lots of teams saying, oh, we use AI. And then you like, you look at their race tactics and you're like, I don't need AI. I mean, you could just be like, maybe talk <laughs> to the riders and say, don't don't pull on the flat when the competitor's in your wheel who's ahead of you on GC. But um, I'm not an I'm not an. So do you have any more ideas that you're gonna s- just start plugging into this thing of stuff it could learn on? I okay. have a list. Oh, okay. I have so don't, many ideas. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't, uh, got... You don't don't reveal your big your big idea secrets or anything you can say. <laughs> uh I think I can do a lot with like what's per kilo data matching it to parkour, um, to to figure out like what. Maybe it's not AI. Again, this could just be like not AI. I don't know. It doesn't have to be AI, but to be like, okay, we got in the well to this climb. Here's the wasp per kilo data of these riders from the database. Here's comparable climbs before and what happened. And this software should be able to spit out like, all right, they're going to do it between five minutes and 5.30. That's going to be between seven and seven and a half wasp per kilo. This rider is the best on this short efforts. With like, that's not that hard to do, surely. Um, and you can manually figure that out yourself, but the software should be able to spit, can just spit that out and make that much faster. I wanted to mention this when we were talking about the broadcasting stuff. But don't you find, like, I listen to a lot of like NBA podcasts and just general ch- sports chat stuff and so much of their their discussion points might be around statistics. So, you know, offensive efficiency or, um, uh, you know, three-point percentage, et cetera, et cetera, and, like, defensive uh, rankings and this sort of numbers. And it's interesting then you, you go and listen to a, a site, even even you guys to, to an extent, but obviously you're trying to gleam a bit more data. We're kind of missing the one statistic that everyone cares about when it comes to cycling and it, it doesn't get talked about. And the only time we get to talk about it is it, it becomes almost hearsay. So I'm obviously talking about power, right? But then the first thing that happens when you sit down at the cafe, you're on a ride with people and you start talking about the race that you just watched, the first thing everyone talks about is, oh, I heard Plappy did 490 up, up that for yeah, everyone loves four minutes. Power. And it's just everyone just talks that talk. And there's this complete separation between the chat that everyone has in the bunch or at the cafe about a race and the actual chat that's happening during the race because we don't get to see that. And I'm not talking about live data. I think that's that's not realistic. I don't actually care that much. But I think they could fill so much time on coverage with chat about like breaking down how Wollonga Hill went from a prowl profile perspective, be like, oh look, this is where, um, uh, oh God, who was it? Um, who was riding the front for the first part? Mental blank. Harper. Harper. This is where Harper was riding like five forty for the first two minutes and blew himself up and came back. Only stopped pedaling, but you can see that's why Yates didn't. Without those numbers, 
we're just kind of in the world of, oh, he was going too hard there, wasn't he? Oh, and then yeah, he laid yeah. off, you know? And I I don't know. I just feel like that would be a big – that would bring the the cafe chatters a bit more into into the, the coverage. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, power data could be – it's really interesting to people. Like when we drop – the Lantern Rouge website is not like a, it's not a cycling news. Like we don't put daily stuff up there. It's more like a blog for when we have a, a thing that can only be better communicated in written form, which is what's per kilo analysis articles. Those Twitter, some of the Twitter France ones, they have like 80,000 page views. Oh, mate. Anytime you post something there, it tends to be a topic on our show. Like that's what our, that's what our audience want it. That's what our audience want to hear about when it comes to pro cycling. Like Carlos does a great job with the articles. They're like a, I think he writes in a very digestible way to help people understand. And so people really like them. Um, and I'm like, well, surely they could talk about like, like people, like comms next year for the tour will not talk about the difference between Jonas and Pogaccia in some sort of numerical objective data sense. They'll just be like, this stage is kind of good for him. That stage is kind of good for him. They won't be like on Col du Grenon, and like the numbers. I think I think we've put. I mean, they just don't have the data like as well. So I mean, I've offered to license the data to race organisers. So so when a climb comes up, you know, they show the profile when the riders mm-hmm. start the climb. You could also then have a graphic that shows like the rec- the climbing records, like the best three, and the watts per kilo for those as the climb starts. And and even just even in review, like there, there's so much dead time in in pro cycling coverage where they could go back and talk about what took place the day before and have it go beyond he was feeling good. That were longer yeah. stage. Do you think Chris Harper could have won if he just sent it from the bottom and no one followed him? Uh, no, probably not. I think Jaco basically Yates should have gone straight off the bat. He should have got Harper to pull two three minutes super hard. Because um, Jaco had it lined out, Del Toro was in really bad position. I think Narvaez was there, but Narvaez doesn't climb as well as, as Yates. He needed to he needed the stage to play out exactly as it did, um, which is essentially like late attack from Yates in the last two minutes, stop, people come back, recover. Like he's not a pure climber. Um, yeah, Yates should have I think Harper full gas lead out, go port style because that's how you're going to win. That's the only way I can see how you can win. Um, and it's a tailwind too. Guys are out of position. Suddenly you've got a 10-meter gap. They look at each other. Um, but he didn't. So, yeah, disappointing week for, for Jayco. But, yeah, I think it was it was, inter- it was interesting still seeing different guys like Del Toro. And still, oh, I think it was high quality. Oh, they were, they were like one second off Port's KOM. I yeah, think. big tailwind though. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> Port's the goat. I was actually, I was a bit hard on, um, I've been a bit hard on, on well, Luke Platt, when he, well, not hard on him, but when he first joined Jayco, I was a bit like, oh, okay, you, you'll have more freedom, but they're not going to have the support on paper than Ineos would. And then also just the way he was talking up before the... Got less freedom. <laughs> he's clear, GC, GC rider, he's clear with Narvaez, doesn't pull. What, waiting for a Ewan to sprint or not sprint? Mm. Yeah. Know what's well, that was, yeah, I mean, that's one example. When I'm saying that, though, when I'm saying uh, he won't have the support he had at Ineos, so he'll get more freedom, but 
Oh yeah, it, it's it's harder for him on paper. Is that based on anything? Like, because you're in that team sphere, you see the behind the scenes. That's what, what I'm mean asking you. I'm saying it in terms of like staff, uh, access to testing. Is that is there still big differences there, or, or am I is just it, clinging on to things from six years ago? Oh, between teams, yeah. But Jaco's TT setup's pretty shit hot. Like, that's a fast setup, so I don't see a massive difference there. And Ineos's is obviously very fast. Would he have taken his same um, coach? From he would have had to change coaches probably, because I know Ineos coached all in house. I don't know it. I don't know how Jayco work because some teams, as you say, the, they let the, the riders can be coached by a coach who is like an independent who coaches across multiple teams, riders across multiple teams. Uh, to me, that is just like unbelievable. That's not how Visma work. It's not how Ineos work. Like, I don't see how that's possible uh, because yeah, I just don't... <laughs> that, that doesn't really happen in other sports, I don't think. So... Um, but I don't know how it works at Jake. I presume he might be. I mean, he's got Pinotti there. I think it's a good setup for him. I just think um, sometimes they're very slow to adjust based on what's happening on the road versus what a rider's name is, how much they're paying him. And they do the same thing over, over, and over, and over again, um, despite what we're seeing is that you should do something different. Because they're not who you think. So you're they kind of are. looking. At, yeah, your your potential concern would be actual in race tactics. You you think have been off. Yeah, yeah. Like if if Plap goes to a race with Gronavegan and it's like a lumpy race where the GC boys they might kick off, they might not kick off. They kick off, and Plap goes clear with a group of three, and Dylan's trying to hang on. Based on what we've seen in the Dauphiné in previous races the last two years. Plap should be allowed to do what he wants and ride for his GC result because Groenewegen can't climb. And even if he does get over the group, he won't be able to sprint. I think some teams are like, today, today we go for the sprinter. <laughs> and it doesn't matter that the stage plays out completely different because Del Toro goes crazy and today we go for the sprinter. Uh, it's all teams, you know, they have their, their plans, they've got the high paid riders. I just, as well, like what I was probably getting at more is I look at... Uh, a month at altitude. Can can Jayco monitor that oh. and have that as productive as a, a Yumbo or an Ineos? Uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think so. Simon Yates beat Carlos Rodriguez in the tour last year. He came fourth. Jayco operating on a much smaller budget than Ineos, but yeah, it's probably like yeah, they got less one years. You know, he's got he's not maybe not going to have all that extra one percenters. But if he's happier. If he feels more emotionally supported or in a environment that's right for him or where he can be in Australia a little bit longer during the, the year and that makes him happier in training, then that's going to outweigh any of those one percenters. Do you think uh, that he would have taken a, a pay cut to go back to Jaco or he would have got like an Australian bonus? No, I don't think so. Well, but he would have been on his Neo Pro contract at Ineos. Right. And he still has okay. promise. So, like, he came second in UAE Tour last year. There was a discussion. There was just people on Twitter kind of saying, oh, well, he got kicked off. He got kind of, he got booted from Ineos. Or, that's kind of what? Like, he. No, 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 no. That would have been. Yeah. Okay. That would have been his choice, yeah. sure, for sure. 
And obviously yeah. Ineos said, okay, like, you can go, but um, yeah. no, he had a year on his contract. Because, I mean, that, I mean that's a t- you joined a team that almost got booted out of the world tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, I don't see how, like, there's got to there's be differences behind the scenes that are accounting for that. Or is it just a money thing that are... Like, I think you're overrating Ineos. Yeah, they got history. Yeah, yeah, the great GC team, but they're not that good for their budget. That's the, res- the reality. For their budget and the rise they have, their results are not that good. Um, but do you think Jaco get Hindley or O'Connor next year? Do they need an Australian GC contender? Yates out of contract. Do they not think that's plap? Fair point. They'll be hoping it is. Yeah, because then you don't need to go spend on a guy that's come fourth in the tour and a guy that's won the Giro. We've got another hour and we're Rogan territory. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. That's fucking impressive. And they're engaging too. Like, I'll do a three-hour Rogan. I've never listened to him. I thought that'd be in your in your uh, wheelhouse. What is in the what is in the LR wheelhouse? Like, what do I... Actually. Like, what would I listen to? Yeah, or listen to or watch. What's on the... What's on the... The protocol. Like, I don't watch television. Oh, pardon my take. Yeah, American sports. American sports stuff. Chat show stuff, like like first takey type Stephen A no, stuff no, or no, no. like the step the step above that. Step above that. But not too far. So like fangraphs baseball mm-hmm. on the statistics stuff mm-hmm. where you're like, oh I'll mention more stats in American sports. That is just too far. Like I start listening to it and all they're talking is is in acronyms. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Part of my take is good, obviously, like biggest sports podcast in the world. Um and then I love listening to the BS Report back in the day. I don't listen so much anymore. I'm trying to look at my... Why don't we see more athlete podcasts in cycling? Like, it's a bit of a meme in the NBA now. It's like you get signed to an NBA yeah, yeah. team and you start a podcast, right? Whereas, like, what? I think we've got Gary. Oh, G's got one. G's got one. His is yeah. big too. That's like a proper... Yeah. That's up there in the rankings if you look but it it's, up. Yeah, yeah. But it's... Big. I think he does 40, 50K downloads. Yeah, which shows there's an audience for it. And really, no... I. Maybe I'm missing a few, but there doesn't seem to be many others that that are sort of being done. Would you would you listen Would you listen to them? Well, you see, I have a theory that most cycle most cyclists wouldn't really give us the stuff we want to hear because kind of most pro cyclists are a bit insecure about their position and training. G's different. He's like the OG. Like he's happy. Yeah, he's in the right career. Yeah, he's at the end of the career. Whereas if you're like, I don't know. Uh, we tried to pitch Remco. Yeah. On uh, Benji, Benji doing a weekly podcast in Dutch with. Oh my god. It would cr- it would oh. it would crush numbers in Belgium. It would crush. He's trying to win the Tour de France. I don't think he cares. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, why would he also do that? Like, okay, say from our perspective, you could get some great brand deals, right? Oh. Like. Big money, but but to him, it's nowhere near his rider contract, and he's going to have to split it, mm. and it's going to be a distraction, and sports are going to be writing articles about it, so it's like, why in that point of your career would you do it? Whereas Thomas, I think, is thinking, I got this podcast I built sitting right there for when I retire in two years. Yeah. And I think probably someone, co- I don't know if it was his idea to start it, or how reluctant he was but to do it, but I think now he re- must really see the value in it. What's well, like the, the, the Kelsey brothers, both of them had no idea what they were going to do after football, and now they've both probably got the biggest 
sports podcast in the world, at least the biggest athlete one. Jesse's just gone, what the hell are you talking about? Anyway, um, he's dating Travis. Uh, Travis? Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey dating yeah. Taylor Swift. But is, is that plot actually good? Yeah, good question. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I haven't actually because <laughs> <laughs> I would I I have no interest in, in yeah, uh, no, when you're big enough that. it doesn't matter yeah. like if Tade Pogaccia did a podcast and it was kind of slop people would still listen because it's Tade Pogaccia Patrick thank you so much for your time uh, obviously big year ahead for you we'll uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing what yourself and Benji are doing in the studio and out in the road by the sounds of things as well so thank you very much for your time thanks for having me guys thanks for your time Jesse and uh, we'll see you real soon thanks bro. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.